Well, friends, it's Luke Clayton here, and Mr. Whitetail is standing by with me. It's time for us to visit a little bit and talk about the outdoors. Larry, are you primed and ready to have plenty of coffee down <laughs> you this morning? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm coffeeed up, and of course I am always ready. Anything have to do with hunting, fishing, the outdoors, wildlife management, gosh, I can't wait to get started talking, to be very honest, honest and open with you. <laughs> yes, sir, I, I feel the same way. Okay, I have a topic that I think will will help some people and maybe right. maybe entertain some folks, too. And the topic is guiding, not so much just choosing a guide for fishing or hunting, an outdoor guide, but, you know, what goes into what what you would look for in a good guide. Now, folks, Larry has guided a lot in his previous life, and I have too. I was an outfitter for a while with a, a partner of mine up in the Rocky Mountains, for mostly for elk and bear. But I've guided duck hunts and hog hunts. But we've been, and, and as outdoor riders, and Larry and I both have had uh, enjoyed the services of many, many guides. But, you know, Larry, uh, the expectations that a person might have when they choose a guide, they, they, it has to be real. They have to have realistic <laughs> expectations of what's going to happen or what they want to happen, right? It, absolutely, they do. The, to me, the, one of the best things that a hunter can have going into our fishermen, either one, is to have a have a, have a good attitude because you know it is hunting, it is fishing. There are things over which that guide and the outfitter have no control over, such as weather and, and things of, of that kind of nature. So, you know, when I'm looking for a guide, I'm looking for somebody, however, that does have experience. You know, that knows the area. But it's somebody, too, that, that likes people and has an understanding of people. And that's something that I've always tried to do. And I've hunted several places, like in the mountains, and, yeah, both as a, as a guide and also as the hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I always tried to do when I was the guide is I wanted to be able to stay up with the hunter. I did not want to walk that poor guy into the ground, even though that I knew I could. You know, I wanted that that person that was there who had faith in me to try to find him the animal that he was looking for to uh to be able to get him where he needs or she get him where he or she needs to go to be able to do that and that sometimes meant my slowing myself down considerably as opposed to uh you know we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go just you know hunt at the pace of what that hunter can physically do and sometimes almost mentally do so to me that was always a, a great thing that i paid attention to both as a guide and also when I was hunting. That's true. And, you know, Larry, uh, when you're, when you're act- actively guiding someone, it's human nature. But if that person that you're guiding, uh, your job is to give them the best you can and, and do yes. whatever you can to make them successful and for them to have fun. But their attitude plays a huge part. Uh, not that you're going to try any harder as a guide to get somebody that's affable and friendly and, you know, an animal or a a, a nice fishing trip, you won't try any harder, but it just makes it so much better if that person does go into it with a positive attitude. Uh, A good case in point, um, we guided archery elk hunts and and bear, but there's a lot of easier things to do than to, to kill a, an elk with a bow. It really is. I mean, that's yes, just the are. truth of the matter, you know. 
And, you know, the first thing, well, when we would be talking to them beforehand, well, what's the success rate? And, you know, I'd say, well, let's think about that, and I'm going to try to be as honest as possible with you when I, when I would talk to them. And uh, the chances of getting within 35 yards of an elk, cow or bull, on your five-day hunt is pretty good. I'm going to say 90%. Uh, but a lot of them have these preconceived ideas that the first day you're going to get out there and you're going to do some cow calling or you're going to bugle some and a great big 350-inch bull is going <clears> to <throat> run right up on you and you're, they're going to shoot him like they saw it on TV. Well, and the, <laughs> the first thing I tell them is it's probably not going to happen that way. No, it, you it know? probably it could. It could. The chances are, are not all that great. That's frankly. right. That's right. Sometimes it does happen that way. But – uh, say a five-day hunt, for instance, your chances are just as good on the last hour of the last day as they are the first hour of the first day. So when you when you mention the positive attitude, uh, you know that is so important, and that's where I saw a lot of people through the years. We I was actively doing this for about seven years, and um, you know. Everybody would be pumped up and fired up the first day. But if you didn't see an elk the first day or the second day, the, not understanding the nature of the beast that those animals might, you know, move through the next 10 minutes, you know, or, or you might be able to call one up right away, they get despondent. <laughs> Some do. I guess it's human nature. They think, wait a minute, I booked this hunt and I want to kill an elk. I haven't even seen an elk. But staying uh persevering and staying with it and and trying to keep a good attitude and it's to me it's always easy to do because i'm out there in the outdoors and you know i just love what i loved what i was doing but uh attitude is is way important not only on the guide side of the thing but also the client right you're exactly right as a client i've, I've been fortunate i've hunted alaska numerous times and I've hunted moose and, and grizzly bear for three different times on the grizzly bear. And on, in three grizzly hunts, they were nine and ten day hunts. I, in one instance, I did not see a bear until the last 30 minutes of the hunt. And talking about the last afternoon with 30 minutes were late. And the two others, we had maybe seen a bear a long way off. But I did not have an opportunity to take a bear until that last 30 minutes of the hunt. So... Three grizzly bear hunts in Alaska. All three of them were shot within the last 30 minutes of the hunt. And to, to me, you've got to maintain that attitude. And, and I had a guide in all those instances who did have a positive attitude as well, you know. And, and uh, we, we spent a bunch of time visiting. But to me, when you go on a hunt, there's always that expectation that you're going to be able to take the animal that you really want. But there's that possibility that you may not. And so... To me, that positive attitude of, of really enjoying the time that you're there, realizing that that guide, the one thing he wants to do or she wants to do is to get you on an animal and have you smiling because uh, that probably means a tip at the end and, and means that hunter is going to go home and tell them all kinds of great things about that hunting operation. So that attitude becomes a, a very important thing. And in terms of being in shape over the years, as I've gotten older, I've hunted slower. That's made me a better hunter. But also, at the same time, a lot of times, we've had I've had guides in years past that were 
much younger than I was, and you know they wanted to prove, I guess, to the world how how good they were about walking up and down mountains in a fast time. And I'd sit down with them, you know, and said, "Look, I said, here's the deal, guys. I can keep up with you, but if, well, for whatever reason, if you get up there 50 yards ahead of me." And you see the animal that I'm looking for, and I'm back there 50 yards behind struggling, trying to get where you are. By the time I get there, that animal is going to be gone. And I said, I'm probably not going to be very happy. So when you get right down to it, I said, it's not the hunter's job to keep up with the guide. It's the guide's job to stay with the hunter kind of thing. And doing so, that makes for a much better hunt all the way through when you get right down to it. Because... And with a good guide, he's going to he's going to talk to you a little bit about okay, you know, this is this kind of vegetation. These animals like this. They have a tendency to come through these areas because maybe it's a, a saddle that you're looking at, you know, between two mountains, or there's water here, or there's Pacific food, or there's a bunch of animals here in terms of of, uh, of females, and we know there's going to be a, a, a bull or a, a, a buck or a boar come through here pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So. And one of the things I've always said, I never guide the guide. And uh, that guide, if you have faith enough in him to, or her, to be on a hunt with them, you know, have faith enough to know that they're knowing what they're doing. And again, they're going to try to do their very best to get you what you're looking for. That's true, Larry. And, and you know, the the expectations of a person when they're booking a hunt, that that's that's important, and it's important I think for the guide to make sure that they understand, uh, we were hunting on, the, on our elk hunts up in, in northern uh, Colorado, uh, north of Steamboat Springs up there. Well, there's tons of elk. Actually, we were hunting Elk Valley. Elk River ran right beside our the ranch that we had that we hunted. Uh, so it, they're, they're probably not going to shoot a, a monster record book elk, but they're going to see probably going to see lots of elk, lots of animals. And I would always tell them, especially first-time bow hunters, you know, and I didn't want to squelch their expectations, but no, I wanted no, no. I wanted to give them a, an honest my idea of it. I, I would say this. I'd say, you know, you're going to be in some of the most beautiful country that you can imagine. You're going to be on a big old sprawling ranch that's, that nobody else is going to be on, going to have a nice cabin to stay in. Um and you've never killed an, an elk with a bow, right? No, no, sir. You know, we're, we're ready for that. And I, and I would say this. I'd say, well, you, you need to think about this before you get up in the mountains with us. Uh, think about your expectations. If you just want a uh, bull, well, that's good. We'll, we'll, we're going to try the very best. But if you've never taken an elk with a bow, uh, the, think about taking the first big fat cow that gets you have a chance to take because you have killed an elk with a bow which is something a lot of people haven't done you've got a freezer full of good meat and you've got the experience of being up there and we would take them you know take them for bird hunts they could hunt birds and uh, you know if they get if they got their animal quick and a lot of them would would opt for a bear you, the the bear tags were pretty much the surplus bear were over the counter so if they get that say they shoot a cow elk the first day they've still got four days to have fun and maybe pay a couple hundred dollars and go go after bear we you know so get the have your expectations your your goals set before you get there larry i think that helps people you know exactly you know and as you say have reasonable expectations as well too Mm -hmm. that area that you're talking about i've hunted up in that area as well with rifle and 
that area has a lot of elk, and there's a chance that you may shoot a six-by, but mm-hmm. the chance of, of seeing and, and having an opportunity at a, at a really nice five-by, or as you mentioned, if you have a cow tag, my gosh, by all means, take that. And if you haven't hunted elk a lot, or regardless of what the species is, particularly here in North America, you know, it, it, it's good to get one under your belt, and then you can start becoming a little bit more selective kind of thing. But, but again, if, if going back to the guide, you know, the, most of the guides are going to be very open with you. If, if you're looking for, and the outfitter should be before you even book the hunt, you know, if, if you're looking for a 300-class bull elk or a 150, 160 uh, whitetail or a 170 mule deer, whatever it is, you know, that outfitter will in all likelihood tell you, yes, you have the possibility, but the chances are a little bit low. So, uh, you know, most of these guys are, are honest because they want you to come back. They're not going to tell you a story because they're going to say, man, you're going to kill a 350-point elk because you scuffled it the first day and all that kind of thing because it's not going to happen and you're going to be disappointed as a hunter and you'll go back and go, well, you don't want to go to that outfitter because all he did is told me his story, you know, about <laughs> yep. what was happening that didn't happen. So, right, right. But lots of, you know, it's it, we're into the point now to where – I'm really looking at next year as far as booking hunts. And uh, so I'll have an opportunity to go like to the DSC uh, convention in Dallas in January. And I'll spend a bunch of time visiting with outfitters and there and guides. And uh, there I can sit down and cross table with them and look them in the eye and kind of figure them out, you know. And sometimes you might, there are personality conflicts that arise. So I'll have a really good idea by sitting down and docking with them whether there's somebody I really want to go hunt with. And uh, so it's a great opportunity for somebody that's looking to do a hunt or a fishing trip is to spend a little time there at the DSC Convention in January and, and really get to know the people before you book with them. True, Larry. Uh, you know, kind of what had got me thinking about this particular topic, choosing a guide or what it takes to be a good guide. I did my newspaper article this past week, and it runs in a bunch of newspapers, you know, down here in Texas. But I wrote it about uh, Chris Carey was a focal point. Um, I fished with countless fishing guides in my life. And there's no, there's no telling how many. But, That's right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how many. Hundreds, I would, I would honestly think. But uh, Chris is the epitome of a good fishing guide. Uh, Chris Carey, now his, his father, Bill Carey, I've known Bill, they own their partners now in Striper Express on Lake Texoma, which is just north of Dallas on the on the either side of the Red River there. And uh so Bill was a was an excellent guide and he still is he's he he'll call himself an old school guide now. He 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 still gets <laughs> right. out and fishes with me or, or you, but he doesn't actively guide. But his son Chris has now been guiding twenty nine years. Well Chris uh some of it is experience a lot of it is, is three decades of experience but he is hardwired to be a to be a guide he's he's uh number one he's knowledgeable but i fished with him when he was a four-year guide back years ago and and he's always had that personality to try his hardest to not only catch fish but make the people in the boat take now, a guy does not have to be an entertainer, but by golly, he is. <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Uh, I fish <laughs> with guys and just, you know, just dry as can be, had a great time, you know. But Chris, exactly. is, Chris is not of that gen- genre. 
<laughs> he, he's just a lot. Folks, I took a picture of, of Larry and, and Chris, and Chris has got his fingers up over Larry's head and making a wild expression. His tongue stuck out. You're right, right, right. We might even have to run that picture of, of what a – what an entertaining guide can be, but I think that'd be the perfect one <laughs> <laughs> with this with this podcast. But yeah, so uh, you know, a fishing guide or a hunting guide, they don't have to be an entertainer. But uh, uh, and 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 truthfully, I enjoy by nature. I'm I probably don't sound like it, but I'm a fairly quiet person myself when I get <laughs> off, and and uh, I enjoy. Uh, you know, I enjoy being around people that are quiet, also. So, you don't, you're not hiring that person to be an entertainer. You're, but it helps, right, Larry? <laughs> it, it darn sure helps, particularly kind of when things are not going well. And you know, and, and again, it is hunting, it is fishing, and there are days you, you and I have been on the lake. You know, with there's some of their guides where we just barely caught a fish, but we had an absolutely great time. Of course, we had the right attitude going into it. The guide was was not necessarily entertaining. But he was very accommodating, and he really, you know, he was he had some empathy about the fact that, you know, my gosh, we're not catching it. And but then the next day, you know, the guys filled the boat up with with stripers, and we were up there. And then, of course, we were up there the other day, and with with Chris, and we could have filled the boat if we wanted oh, to, kind yeah. of thing. And it's so that, but that happens. But again, have the right attitude and know that there are times, no matter how good the guide is, no matter what you've paid to go on a hunting or fishing trip in the area that you're in, there are days when things just don't go like you want them to. So be prepared for those as a hunter. The guide will try to help you work your way through those kind of things as well, too, if you give them that opportunity. That's true, Larry. Well, I hope our friends maybe – I bet a lot of folks are nodding their head that's that had to use the services of guides. They probably agree. Say, you know, these two old boys know they've been there and done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's true. So – Next week, uh, who knows? We'll try to come up with a, with something that the people will. In, we'll try to entertain them a little bit, <laughs> like the guides, but and maybe maybe share a little knowledge. And looking forward to next week already, Larry. I am too. We'll join everybody right back here on Sporting Classics Daily, and looking forward to being with everybody somewhere down the way in a hunting or fishing camp. <laughs>